Welcome to Northeast Divide podcast and a huge thank you for taking the time to listen to us again. I'm John Lane and once again I'm joined by Anth and we're going to be reacting to both Newcastle and Sunderland's defeats on Saturday evening. Um, so it should be a cheery one tonight. Uh, we're also going to be touching on uh, transfer window issues for both clubs as well as manager discourse and previewing Sunderland's home game versus Hull plus a little bit more. So um, big, big reasons to listen to the whole podcast tonight. As I did mention last week um, and the week before, now you've started listening, please listen to the end. It is going to help us grow. I'd also ask you to leave us any feedback you have from this podcast. If you're enjoying our pods, please rate and follow us. And finally, we do welcome any feedback on either X, formerly Twitter, and Instagram. And we're at Northeast Divide if you're looking for us. If you want to provide us feedback directly, that would be fantastic as well. Uh, let's get the show started anyway, Anth. Um, this is going to sound familiar to both Newcastle and Sunderland fans this season. We'll go one goal ahead. But go on, lose the game. What happened and what went wrong for Sunderland? Hello, John. Uh, too cumbersome, too slow, build up, just just not quick enough. Uh, too many ratings, players wise, five, six, not good enough, not enough players operating at their potential level. A game too much, halfway through the season. Atmosphere was great down there. Good football inside Ipswich. Uh, he's, he's gambled to, pay, to play a job up front. Bellingham didn't really pay off. He showed some nice touches. Just cumbersome, sideways, backwards. Um, we just need to get the ball forward a lot quicker, basically. At the moment, we're not doing that. Is that back to your personnel, though? Because we talked about this a little bit last week, didn't we? About the fact that really you don't have like that big man option up top. Um, you've kind of you've got the the young is he Ukrainian lad um, who you normally play up top and, who played yeah. against Newcastle and um, didn't really get a sniff didn't get much service but you again you struggle to play that way and I suppose surely if teams know you haven't got that big option is it just about them being able to stop you? I think we're quite predictable at the moment. This happened under Mowbray's reign as well, but he changed it a bit. At the moment, we do look a bit. Too predictable. I think there was only really Dan Neil played very well on Saturday. I thought Pato played well. Um, yeah, Joe played well up to a up to a up certain degree, and then he was subbed off. Not the greatest of substitutions either. When you think, because I kind of pronounce his name properly, Ashish um, missed a, a glorious chance, uh, and he just he just come on, and then obviously gave away the free kick, which they obviously got the eventual winner from. So, yeah, substitutions weren't great either. So, to me, we, we looked very tired and very predictable on Saturday. Uh, and I didn't watch the game, as you probably worked out, because I was watching another <laughs> game on um, a different uh, channel, um, stra- strangely. Um, what When you went 1-0 ahead, what was your approach? Was it, was it like, what, what kind of, what happened from there, mate? Oh. Well, my, my thought process was caution. Um, you know, I just think defensively, we've got the players who can defend. But like I say, we just we just need to be quicker. We, we need a little bit more creativity in midfield. Um, obviously, we need a proven striker, as we discussed the other week. Obviously, there's some names being bandied around, one in particular. I think he'd be a good signing, although he doesn't fit into that actual model that we talked about previously. Um, yeah, Beal 
some of the critics are, are, are chirping up again. It's only been what six, six games, seven games, whatever. Um, like that, yeah. And yeah, I was going to give him a, you know, I'm going to give him a bit more time, but the signs are not good at present. The signs are not good. It's I, I find it really difficult to um, criticize criticism of a manager, right? And and the example I'm going to use is is our friend Steve Bruce, right? So. Lots from the outside, people will look at Steve Bruce at Newcastle, and, and if you just look at the results, well, you know, he managed you for just over two seasons. You were comfortable mid table side, you know, he kept you in the Premier League. That's what he was there to do. Um, you know, you got some wins against some big sides, and, and ultimately, the football was shite, the players got worse, um, everyone regressed. So, what I wouldn't want to do is, is say the same. However, what I would say is that. Ipswich away, not an easy game. Ipswich are flying high. They're second in the league. That they're playing well. Um, you know, yes, we beat you three now at your place. But you know, we we played in the Champions League this year, and you know, like you know, we're 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 a good side when we turn up and when we want to turn up. We did turn up um, at the stadium light. Um, apart from that, I think if you take the Coventry result out of it, I think you know, I think your results haven't been terrible on paper. I mean, is that? Is that fair to say that, or it, it, again, do I not understand kind of what this manager's doing? I tend to agree. I tend to agree with that. I think we are we're still there or thereabouts. Big game coming up on Friday evening. Hull are just below us. They've made some good signings. Um, Cavallo, especially, what a loan signing he is. Anyway, she will get onto that. Um, that I think will be an even bigger test. And I know it's at home. But I think that'll be an even bigger test Friday evening in front of a big crowd, hopefully live on Sky. We'll see. Um, I just, I don't know, with Bale, again, he's post-match, he's post-match interviews, just don't feel as full of confidence. And I thought he would have learned his lesson from the Newcastle game, obviously Champions League, pedigree, premiership side, who's in quality. Faffing about with it at the back again, cumbersome, slow. I, I appreciate the style of play he's trying to implement with regards to playing out from the back. We don't have the players at the moment to do that against certain teams. We need to change our game plan and we need to change our tactics against certain teams because Ipswich are a, are a good football inside. They've, they've got that, 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 that the high press. Um, so, yeah, I, I, he's, got pl- he's got plenty of time in my eyes. So we'll give them time, but the the vultures are already swooping. So, oh, but I, I agree with you about the, the whole Bruce thing. Um, I think we're still in a very very healthy position, so we'll kind of panic just yet. Yeah, and it's yeah. I, I'm certainly not gonna, as I said, I, I'm not gonna lecture any um, side about how they feel about their manager after after what we had to endure. Um, and you know, obviously, we've all we've all had managers where you know you feel like you're enduring it. And you're the only people that understand it. The same as. A lot of people didn't understand Rafa and why, you know, Newcastle fans really kind of get, you know, warmed him. But, you know, we saw players improve and we saw him getting the most out of a threadbare squad. Um, and, and you know, obviously the team performed as, as good as it could do, really, in those seasons. And um, I think that's what we want, what you wanted. You wanted someone to give you a bit of hope and, and, and that's what he did. And also he got it, right? You understood, like, the batshitness of the club. <laughs> um and I think part of it, I think a big reason why Rafa's popular is because he was quite happy to call the owner out. Like, not every manager is going to be prepared to do that. And actually, at Sunderland, that hasn't worked for Mowbray and it hasn't worked for previous managers under um, under this particular regime. But And under most regimes, it wouldn't work, would it? Let's be honest. 
um, you know, it would just it would backfire on you and you'd, you'd end up losing your job. Um, I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch over to the black and white side. So we obviously played against uh, Manchester City. Um, so I did um, an instant reaction for another podcast that um, that I'm on. Um, and basically, um, I said on there, I thought the first half we were excellent. I thought we played really well, um, and uh, we looked um, we looked back to our best with two one up at, at half time. Two brilliant goals from us, um, and then second half, it felt like we just decided we were going to try and sit on it. Now we've seven times this year we've only been one goal ahead, and we've dropped points um on those on those seven occasions so we're about sorry so four of those games were in the league and we dropped we've dropped 10 points from those games um and the other three were within the champions league or um the league cup against chelsea so we've tried to do something that we can't do and we've shown that we can't do and i think that's for me was the frustrating bit i think the results like you know look it's manchester city the prob you know you probably go into the game thinking they're going to beat you right um but I, I don't know. I mean, in terms of, do I have a right to be frustrated about that? Like, like the fact that like we're we're trying to sit on a a one goal lead where there's been several occasions this year where we just haven't managed to do that. Do you know what? I think it was an opportunity missed. I think he's by far the better team first half. I've watched um, highlights. You're by far the better team. Uh, to the gorgeous squad with quality. Obviously, the crowd vociferous. Obviously, you know, loud as always. Like you say, second half different. Um, it's a it's a it's a shame for you, obviously, in your lot, because I thought you could have won it. Unfortunately, the way that Man City won it was just the Man City way. What what always happens second half of the season when they're not doing ever so well? These are the results that they always seem to get, don't they? And the the goal was the goal was quality. Um, so from your point of view, it was it was a shame. Man City, obviously, the, the, the post-match celebrations, Guardiola, fist pumping, etc., or whatever. Um, he was very happy with that result and he had every right to be because it was a great result for them. So, but a shame for you. I think you could have won it and it was a bit of an opportunity you missed. Yeah, I think um, there's there's a bit of a, a discourse and divide amongst um, some of our fan base. I think some feel, um, don't be ridiculous, it's Man City. Like, you know, like the you know the world's best side that they've dropped too many points this year already they need to start going on that run that they always go on every year to go on and win the league and they need to start getting yeah. points so i think that's why it was a big result for them but i think there is a few of us that feel like well actually there's probably more we could have done and i'm not saying that we could have necessarily replicated that 45 minutes again but i think we could have for like 10 or 20 minutes and i think if you get that third goal Contrary to the stat I just mentioned about when we go one goal ahead, since House taken over, every time we've been at least two goals ahead in a game, we've gone on to win except once. Mm-hmm. That once was against Manchester City at home last year. Um, so it's it's that it's that point of actually all of a sudden when we go two goals ahead, we're very difficult to beat. But that one goal, we're definitely vulnerable, and we've looked vulnerable, and it's it's happened on more than well several occasions this year and i think that's what kind of drives the the frustration but um isaac gordon bruno sensational in the first half um the, the finishing uh bruno's pass to isaac was absolutely sublime um for his goal um and i think moving on from that we've just got a kind of um you know we've, we've got a couple of weeks now to rest 
Um, he's not going to do um, a Saudi trip, which is what I kind of predicted would happen. He's going to just, he's just sent them home for a week, spend some time with their families. If they wanted to travel in the own time, they can. Like, um, I think Gordon was at the Brooklyn Nets or something <laughs> when I looked the other day. Um, but no, um, I think just, just looking at the whole situation, I think um, they just need a rest and, and fingers crossed. You know, we've got a big FA Cup tie, which we'll talk about later um, in the fourth round. Um, I don't know if you were aware that we were in the fourth round of the FA Cup, Anthony. I'm not sure if I've mentioned that. Um, <laughs> and then, um, and then we play Villa. Yeah, we play um, Villa after that, don't we? Away from home. So yeah. that's, a, that's another big game. And Villa have got a, a very, very good home record this year. And that's going to that's gonna be a challenging one. But I'm not all for this right in the season off. But, you know, Joe Linton's probably out for the season now as well massive loss and and we looked a very different team I think when he came off against you lot um, I think you know Miley uh, doesn't have that same kind of physical presence so um, that made a bit of a difference um, right transfer window um, and this is gonna, this is going to be interesting so uh, we talked about Jack Clark last week rumours about West Ham um, Patterson now being linked with Liverpool in the summer um, anything else happening on that side uh, so many, so many names, so many names. Obviously, the big one we're after a striker, proving championship striker. Apparently, the one we're after is currently in talks with Cardiff City. Allegedly, if you if you believe that, Kiefer Moore, um, I think he'd be a great signing. He's proven uh, he can score goals at that level. I think he'd be a great signing. Um, he's a physical he, presence. He's played in the Premier League as well, hasn't he, Kiefer Moore? Sorry, with, he's um, played, he's, yeah, Bournemouth. Bournemouth, yeah, and he scored however a handful of goals, maybe. So he, he can do it. So yeah, I think that would be a good signing. I know it doesn't fit into the model like we've discussed. I'm just I'm just looking now at some of the names that are being bandied around, and there's there's about fifteen altogether. And <laughs> some of them I'm thinking we haven't got a cat and else chance. Um, You're not or, uh, looking to bring in Ibrahimovic on loan, are you? All right. <laughs> well, I tell you what, some of the you you know how it is. It's silly season, isn't it, with the January transfer window, and this will go down to the wire. Um, so. But we, I think we need. It was nice to see uh, Jim Atete back on the bench on on Saturday. Um, he didn't get any minutes. He did well at, at, on loan at, at Plymouth because he, he wasn't fancied at that particular stage, and would sign a load of new players. He hit the ground running. But I'm glad he's back because he'd create some good competition in the midfield area. He's a very tenacious, com- competitive mid competitive midfielder. He's very competitive. So I just think he will add something, and I. I hope he gets his chance. I don't think he's fully fit yet. So, but we need we need some we need some creativity in the centre of the park. We need someone you're saying there about the pass provided on for the goal for Yola on Saturday. We haven't got that at the moment. We we missed that. Yes, I know we've got um Pritchard up front. He he didn't have a great game by his standards on Saturday either, but maybe he's worth you know, we're looking for a bit too much from him. But um, yeah, a cre- a creative midfielder for me. Nice to see. Uh, Another, yeah, holding midfielder. I uh, like I said, Jim Matet is Matet's back. Matet, I can never pronounce names as you can tell. So <laughs> yeah, striker is the main one, but I think we need a left back now because Serkin's out. So which is a shame, and obviously Huggins is still out. So we we'll maybe just need a left back. And some there's a young lad from Leicester who's been rumoured to come on loan. I think well, this is it. I think if you if you're scouting the loan market, you're not going to probably do anything until literally the last couple of days of the window. That tends to be how loans work, isn't it? Um, and I think what's interesting is um, you've named a few players there. 
Um, I think someone like Kifamua is exactly what you need. I, I know I, I said Danny Ings last week. Now I know there was, I mean, it, it, with the greatest respect, Dan, there's no way that you lot was signing Danny Ings. No. Um, <laughs> but I think if 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 someone like Cardiff is in for Kifamua, he's surely someone that Sunderland should be able to attract. Um, and there will be Newcastle fans listening to this going. Well, you some sort of closet Macam like, but you know, you're a massive <laughs> club. Like you are, yeah. you're 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 a big championship club, you've got a big following. Um, you know, you've you've got a you know huge stadium. I mean, ev- everything about your infrastructure screams Premier League. The only thing you haven't got that's mm. Premier League really is is the playing staff and the budget. Um, and that it's you know, it's about how you then get to that stage, isn't it? So mm. um if you know, if you can sign someone like Kiefer Moore, that that's a really good signing. Depending on how much you, and ultimately, it will come down to how much you can spend on it. Now, speaking of spending restrictions, there's been lots of talk. So Newcastle released their accounts last week, um, and it was announced that we'd made over a seventy million pound loss. Darren Eels did a video with um, the club TV channel, kind of breaking it down and. Um, there's been a very consistent theme from um, the ownership of the club around financial restrictions, financial fair play. Now, for me, right, I think the biggest reason for that is because they've got the, they've got the richest owners in the world. Now, as I said on, I was on Talksport the other day, and I said to them, if you're getting someone to do your kitchen out, a builder to do your kitchen for you, you're not going to tell them you got fifty grand in the bank. You, you know, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna try and negotiate. You're gonna try and get the best value you can for your money. Now, the, now Newcastle are working really hard to drive that message that actually we don't have a lot of money. We're not a rich club. Um, we, you know, we've we've still got commercial revenue to raise. We've still got, you know, still players on the books that we can't afford. All this kind of thing, and they've got to peddle that message because ultimately, if they're going to get any value out of the transfer market to spend. You know that then they can't. You know, clubs can't just decide right. We're going to add an extra ten million on because it's Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's one very big reason. I do think that um, financial fair play, no doubt, is a thing, but they're not going to sign Calvin Phillips with an extortionate loan fee. So th- there was a rumored fee of like six million pounds when I looked today um, to loan him. Now that's the equivalent of a sixty million pound transfer in terms of FFP hit because if you're paying six million for half a season and you're amortizing that over five years that's 60 million quid plus the wages um it's a lot of money just to give it another bit of context well yeah that's it exactly and you look at like the signing we made of sandro tonali we signed him for 55 million pound when you look at his wages on top of the transfer fee it's probably the seller sponsorship deal that's covered that transfer it probably it probably works out about that twenty five million a year when you work out the kind of wages he'd be on and, and the fee, you know. So it is a lot of money. So they are having to look and they are having to be sensible. We're still carrying people like um, Isaac Hayden uh, on the books, um, Jeff Hendrick who are on big contracts. So although they're being you know, and this is it. And although they're being loaned out, they're we're still paying them decent money, you know. Mm-hmm. So we're still kind of dealing with the Ashley legacy. But the expectation is so big because we got in the Champions League last year and there was a lot of talk of we're ahead of schedule. Um, and I don't think we can anyone can turn around and say we didn't overachieve last year because uh, we're now in a position where the expectation is Europe, whereas last year the expectation was finish top 10 and have a go in the Cups. We got mm-hmm. to a, you know we, Last year we got to a Cup final. Yes, we got knocked out the third round of the FA Cup, um, but we finished in the top four. This year, um, really, it's... 
the FA Cup and trying to qualify for Europe. And and if we do either of those things, it's been a very, you know, it's been a successful season. It's been a very successful season if we win a trophy. As I said the other, you know, last week, you know, if we finish 17th and win the FA Cup, I'm buzzing me. Like, I, like it doesn't bother me. Like, that's, 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 that's success. You know, we win a trophy. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, fi- finances are just, I mean, how I, I find this bit fascinating because obviously you, you'll have like financial sustainability but i think for you it's probably more about the the club wants to be run sustainably rather than having Ellis short just signing checks which is what you had you know a while ago um we 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 saw how that one worked out didn't we yeah. so yeah obviously you know money doesn't guarantee you success yes if you if you splash big money for big name players often does work out sometimes it doesn't quite work out um, so yeah, financial fair play. I'm I'm very interested to see what happens with Manchester City when you think about what's happened with Everton, the ten point deduction, and obviously Nottingham Forest now in the mix. I'm I'm thinking, what is going to happen to them? It's a it's a really interesting one that, and oh, yeah. I think when that when that eventually is being seen to and the charges are being dropped, not dropped, but you know, once penalties <laughs> are being handed out, because I can't see. I can't see how they can't be penalised, given you know Everton had a twenty million pound um, gap, didn't they? And they got they got taken ten points off them. Um, how on earth could Manchester City escape like things over a decade with some of the, some of the allegations? But we won't talk about that. We're not going to get drawn into it. Um, no. <laughs> we've talked a little bit about um, Michael Beale already. Um, and about his, you know, whether he's getting a fair chance or not. So I will skip over that because I think that's something that's something we were going to discuss. Um, big news day today, right? So Mourinho was sacked by Roma this morning, right? Which has to be the worst thing to happen to hashtag NUFC that I can think of because all that does is spike all sorts of other rumours. Obviously, he's, um, you know, really close you know, with Bobby Robson and uh, Barcelona, and he's always talked really fondly about coming to Newcastle. Um, I mean, from a, from a Sunderland fan's point of view, I mean, it, it, you may not care, um, but what, what, how would you feel if someone like Mourinho walked in at Newcastle as, as their manager? Box office. I mean, I know I was looking at his win ratio earlier. It was all over Sky Sports News. Um, obviously, oh, when he was uh, yeah, when he was on, when he was when he was at, at Porto, I mean, his win ratio was incredible. First stint at Chelsea, incredible. Sort of, you know, filtered down a little bit. Manchester United, blah blah blah. blah. Obviously, he's he's off the pitch. Histrionics with regards to obviously when he was at Roma were just absolute box office. I mean, if he was your manager, he'd be giving you a heart attack. But to to me, I, I don't know. I don't know. What, would he, would it all be about the Mourinho show, though? Is that what Newcastle United would want, or would he actually bring something to the club? And is it being a bit disrespectful talking about him when Eddie Howe's still in charge? And I, and I think Eddie Howe's a great manager. I really do. I think he's a great manager. Um, so he, he's not having a great time at the moment, but I, I think he'll turn things around for us. So, yeah, I think he'd be absolute box office. And obviously his connection with the late great Sir Bobby Bobby Robson at Barcelona. And I, I didn't even realise he had the nickname. Is it Little Magpie? Or is it Mag I, I, I uh, this is this is this is news to me. So I, I didn't I, have a I'm gonna have to 
I'm going to have yeah. to be better researched for next week. Yeah, well, I didn't know. Apparently, allegedly, I don't know. I might have just made that up, fabricated it. But <laughs> find out. So that's added further fuel to the fire, hasn't it? It has. <laughs> no, I think um, it ha it has added fuel to the fire. I think um, there's a lot of talk. There's, I mean, there's some Twitter accounts. Oh, bring him home and all. like I I kind of tend to agree that like Mourinho tends to end in disaster. Um, now, don't get. I think if you look back at the last few jobs he's had. I think the last job you can say where he walked out and you could say he walked out with his head held high was probably Real Madrid. Mm -hmm. um, and since then, he's been at Chelsea. He went back to Chelsea as the happy one, got sacked. Um, I think he won the league there, though. I think he won the Europa League with Man United and finished second, which he said was his best achievement as a manager, which is ridiculous. Um, got sacked there. Um he went to Spurs after that. Obviously, things didn't work out there. They sacked him the day, like three days before the League Cup final. I mean, it's not the time I would choose to sack Mourinho just before a cup final, but there you go. Um, and then, obviously, he's, he's been at Roma. Um, and I might have missed out some jobs there, but um, it it just it. I think you said it before. It becomes the Jose show or the Jose show, um, and that's one thing at the moment. I would say that. Eddie Howe never makes it about him. The fans might sing songs about him. Um, you know, they might they might praise him, what have you. But for him, it's about the team and it's about what they can do. Um, I also think the football under Mourinho is shite. Um, I don't want to sit and watch my team part the bus. I know that with Eddie, he's going to give it a go um, when when he can. And and you know, I think you know. Yes, I was talking about the second half. You know, the other the other night. Um, but it transpired that um, I think Anthony Gordon was interviewed after the game and he was asked and he said, like, what were you, what was said to you at halftime? And he said, we were asked to go out and get that third goal. Now, the performance didn't show that, um, but the managers, you know, the manager can, you know, you take the horse to water, you can't always make it drink. But I think, yeah, any talk of Mourinho with Newcastle at the minute, I agree. I, 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 I'm not a fan of it. Um, it's not what I want to see. I think he's had his day. Um, and I understand it would be a box office name and it would raise the profile of the club. But I just think it would cause you more harm in the long term, and I do think that this is now a club with good people in place, good football people in place, like Darren Eels, like Dan Ashworth. They've got uh, Pete Silverstone to raise the revenue. You know, they they've made really sensible appointments. Um, now Eddie Howe, of course, was wasn't appointment made by them. That was a appointment made by um, Staveling, Gudisi, and um, and you know the the guys at PIF and, and Jamie Rubin. Um, but, you know, and that's been a successful hire. They've talked about and wanting to be that Alex Ferguson figure. Now, don't get me wrong. I think I think he'll get this season regardless. I think if he goes into the next season and we're not performing and we've, you know, and they've backed him in the summer, it might be a different conversation. And I hope it isn't. I, I can really see him doing well. Um, but, yeah, I'd be very, very surprised to see Jose um, at St. James's in the home dugout anyway. Um, someone mentioned on Twitter, would you have him as a director of football or an advisor? I wouldn't have him anywhere near the place. I just yeah. think that causes that would be worse. Like, imagine the pressure. Like, <laughs> be horrendous. Um, but yeah. Um, so your favorite Netflix series is, is uh, coming back. And um, Sutherland Till I Die season three is going to be with us in just over a month. Thoughts? I hope we don't cry on it, so we'll wait and see. I think it's gonna. Fall. I mean, my son texted us earlier to tell us it was it was coming out in February, 
And I was like, oh, brilliant talking. And because the, the first, the, well, the only the two series were, were pretty much box office. And I think it set the, the, the precedent with regards to sort of, you know, these football inside sort of your, your Spurs one on Amazon, is it Man City and all that sort of set the ball rolling. Um, it, it was quite, it, it's, I've got sort of mixed emotions with regards to it. I, I think it is going to focus on our promotion from horrific league one to the championship and um, whether or not that'll make great television i don't know because obviously the the previous well the only two series sorry were were an absolute roller coaster and from a neutral football fan they were probably like what are we watching how is this club being run it's mental but it's brilliant brilliant to watch so I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'd be happy to, to watch it and, and see how it works out. And if the if the original fans had previously, if they're going to be interviewed, etc. So, yeah, it'd be nice to have something to smile about because there hasn't been a lot to smile about for the last few years at Sunderland Football Club. So, looking forward to it. I am. I'll be honest. And I enjoyed watching uh, Sunderland's like, And I know what people are, oh, of course you did. <laughs> I bet you did. Yeah. You know. <laughs> But in all in all seriousness, actually, I really enjoy those football documentaries anyway. So, like, I watched the um, I watched the Spurs one, I watched the Man City one. Obviously, I watched Newcastle's uh, Amazon one, which wasn't as in depth, but you know, it, it, it pulled the curtain back a little bit. Um, but I, I've always enjoyed those. Um, and the I mean, the Amazon's ones they've done for years with the NFL team. So I've watched a few of them. Obviously, big NFL fan as well. Um, so I mean, I always enjoy it because because it, it just kind of adds that bit of context, and um, especially if you know what's going to happen or you know kind of where it goes from there, um, it does it does kind of um, add a little bit more intrigue. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean that first for me the first season where or the start of the second season when uh, Donald and Methven come in oh, and the yeah. they're talking about. Um, the cryogenic chamber or whatever it is, oh. the cryogenic room. And it turns out that only Martin Bain went in there to, because oh. he had a bad back. <laughs> all um, that money, I know. And then, all that yeah. money. And then obviously there's the famous um, EDM scene as well. And, and, oh. Oh, so I think so so I think there is there obviously the, there's there's reasons for us to have a laugh, but I think yeah. um but, but also as a Sunland fan watching that, I think it's important as well because then you understand the mess the club's in. Um and and how you're gonna fix it, but I think it'll be a I think it'll be a good watch. I think it'll be a good series. It'll do well. Um, really quickly, I'm just gonna um start to wrap things up a little bit. So, um, Newcastle have got a week off. Um, as I said before, so um, we're not gonna play for a couple of weeks. So we'll talk a little bit more in detail about Fulham and um kind of how we're gonna do in that game. I think I just want to say for the record, ticket prices are forty pound for the away fans. Um, the FA Cup, which I, I, I just don't, I don't think's right. I, th- I think I think no. we're very easily flirted into overcharging fans, and um, I'm not sure what the tickets are like at your place. But I mean, like normally, cause I know it was, it was about thirty two quid last week or the other week when we played you. Um, not too bad, pretty reasonably priced. To be honest with you, the price structure's been been pretty decent. So yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with you there. I think sometimes when it comes to cup matches, they take the eyes out of the supporters' faces. Some clubs, and I just think it's it's just very poor, because obviously they just I don't know the loyalty that some of those supporters show. Obviously traveling away, etc. The distance to travel and to pay corrupt ticket prices overpriced. I just think it's 
it's it's a bit of a disgrace, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and the thing is, is from a Newcastle at home point of view, our ticket prices have increased the last couple of years, and that's that's purely because the demand's massive. The demand's massive. And again, another reason to talk about FFP, and that softens any kind of talk. And I, I keep trying to explain to people that look, putting up a season ticket price by two percent or five percent or whatever isn't going to touch FFP. But mm-hmm. there will be families that will make a decision as to whether they're going to renew their season ticket or not, based on that five percent. And I think that's the difference. I think that's why you know places like Germany they're very good at keeping the ticket price down because they recognise actually we're going to lose the essence of that. And my worry is that do you price out some people just because you're chasing the dollar? Um, and we just have to get that balance right. I understand some ticket prices will go up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand there will be more corporate areas and that people want to pay for those corporate areas and like good for them. Um, but not everyone can afford that. The other thing as well is the, the kickoff time. Do you know what our kickoff time is next uh, Saturday for the Fulham game? I don't know what time is it. Is it a strange one? Seven o'clock on Saturday night. Um, the last train nice. to get you back. Yeah, it's like, well, the last train's at nine o'clock from King's Cross. So you can't get the train home that wow. night. Um, even, even if it was 10, that would be a push from, from Fulham anyway um, yeah. to, to make the connection. So um, and obviously we, we know the railway, so we, <laughs> we know the tube and how that can work. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but no, it's, it's, but it's, yeah, I, I think, um, I think these um, TV companies need to remember how bad the product was when the fans were there during COVID and maybe just think about some of these decisions that they make because you know ultimately that away end probably will still be full um but and this is the problem in another way and and when you look at the protests that redden did and the amount of coverage that's got because the game got stopped um mm-hmm. good on them um by the way because um what's been happening to them has been horrific um but it makes you think actually are you trying to just push fans as far as you possibly can until they say enough's enough? Um, finally, we'll we'll finish off. Uh, you got a home game at Hull on Friday. Uh, sorry, it's home to Hull on Friday night. Uh, you beat them on Boxing Day at their place. Um, big big game again for for you under the cosh after six games, manager. Um, how do you think it's going to go? I'm hoping we're going to get the win, but it's it's easier said than done. I think Hull are. Uh... Are a good are a good team a good team they could flirt with the playoff positions at the end of the season I think they've got the, some of the players to do that I think like I said earlier Cavallo obviously known fantastic signing fantastic signing I think he's only young but I think he, he want to prove to to Liverpool that you know he shouldn't have sent us out on loan but I think he'll seize that opportunity so we'll have to watch him we'll have to watch him but. I think it'll be a tough game. Hopefully, it'll be a, a big crowd and a vocal crowd. And hopefully, they'll get behind the manager. Um, yes, he, you know, he, he isn't filling everyone full of, you know, um, enthusiasm at the moment. But we've got to back him. We've got to back him. I, I just think, you know, I, I watched, like I say, I watched the Ipswich game. And Barr, I mean, he did well um, with regards to the assist for Clark's fantastic finish. And he got a, he got a good overall player rating for his, his time on the pitch. I think he got a seven out of ten most um, media outlets. But he, he still gets grief, and I think why he's trying. He's a young lad, so manager's different, of course. He's there to be shot at. But I think we need to give him a chance, and we need to back him, and we need to be vocal 
on Friday evening. We need to be vocal and hopefully they'll be vocal and they'll back the team and the manager. Yeah, and that's yeah. it. And, and you're right. If you get behind the team, um, give yourself a chance, don't you? If you get if you get on the manager's back, that just increases the tension, increases the pressure, and and everything else. So, um, so yeah. So we will leave it there. Um, so best of luck, Anth, to to your team on on Friday night. Um, we're going to enjoy a week where uh, we can have some players recover from injury. Um, Anth, thank you so much again for your time this evening. It's been great again, and thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, we're going to be back next week, and we'll review that game uh, from Friday this coming Friday. And then we're going to preview their game against Stoke the following Saturday and uh, Newcastle's trips to Fulham and Aston Villa. Um, And, of course, this has been the Northeast Divide podcast. Thank you and goodbye.